Today, we've got a three-in-one podcast. That's right, a three-pronged approach, a triple threat, a trifecta of insight. On one hand, we have an outstanding marketer who can help you get your message out there into the marketplace. On the other, well, we've got someone who is an inventive entrepreneur who looked at a gap in the marketplace, took a risk, and developed a company around it. And three, we have the insights of the struggles of being a female founder in the modern workplace. That's right, three great storylines, all one person, today on the podcast. Welcome to the Founders Place Podcast, the place where exceptional founders grow. Now here's your host, Todd Wills. Todd Wills. Hello, welcome to the podcast. Today, very super, ridiculously excited to have Kate Bradley Chernus on. Kate is the CEO and founder of Lately. She is a phenomenal marketer who took a risk and developed this amazing company that helps you get your messaging out there. And she has done a phenomenal job of building, growing, pivoting, evolving this organization along the way. Kate has amazing insights on marketing, being a founder, being a female founder, and taking risks in the market. But again, I'm going to let Kate do all the talking. Take it away. Hey, Kate. Hey, Jill. How are you? Uh, I'm doing great. How are you? Pretty awesome. Um, why don't we start by having you tell us a little bit um, about yourself? Yeah, I love I love a good open-ended question. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it makes it so easy. So yeah, so I'm the co-founder and CEO of Lately, which is um, a marketing software company. And I, I, it's been a crazy journey getting here, as all you know happens with all founders, right? Um, you know how we wind up in these in these weird positions of of you know houses on fire all the time. It feels like, and and what the what kind of what kind of crazy characters are we that we can withstand this level of, of stress and chaos? Um, but so, so for me, um, I had this interesting kind of experience and, and I'm, I don't know how much information you want me to give you or go into it, but um, I was, I owned a marketing yeah, agency and okay. Yeah. This, Cause the story is funny. It's interesting. I think, um, or to us marketing nerds, it is, I'm a marketing nerd. Um, so I, yeah, self-included. I was managing a multimillion-dollar Walmart campaign about nine years ago, and it was actually um, Walmart collaborating with United Way Worldwide and the National Dis- Disability Institute, and then a, a software company. And together, they were working on this free tax prep software for um, the for people who who are uh, in the poverty level, basically how to how to help them, and. What was interesting is they were working with 20,000 local affiliates who were all um, nonprofits and SMBs, so two radically different groups of marketers. And for my own sanity, I just started organizing as much as I was coming across my desk because it was like overwhelming, obviously, as you might imagine. And as I did, I started to see patterns and I started to see redundancies and noticed some 
total marketing 101 stuff not happening across the board, which, which was surprising to me, actually. And um, so I just organized them in the spreadsheet. And it was everything from table tent copy to radio, radio scripts and um, focus groups and social media stuff, and then pulling together all the analytics across all those things, and then making milestones about, you know, when we're going to publish this press release and all that kind of stuff. And, um, so the, our, our spreadsheet system ended up getting us 130% ROI year over year, the three years I did that, which is awesome. Wow. And yeah. And, and mind blowing too. Like it was just like, wow. And, um, it was, it was, what I also did was like, I went crazy. Like I made them this PowerPoint that showed year one and year two. And then I, I put every little thing we did during the campaign, like I made a link to it so they could click the link and it would go to a live Google doc that would then show, you know, pictures of the, campaign, you know, collateral or whatever, and all the, in the details. And so they loved it because they could, for the first time, there was this connection of like what marketing did, <laughs> which is awesome. Um, and so what, what also happened was that all my other clients, whether they were Walmart or a startup or a small nonprofit, I found they had the same problems and similar success in my spreadsheet system. So that's how lately was born is because my friend Steve, who is a serial entrepreneur and um, an investor as well, and a former CTO, he lived in this world of, of venture capital and software, which I knew nothing about. And he was like, hey, Kate, we just need 25,000 bucks. We'll make wireframes and we're going to automate your spreadsheets. And I was like, what? Why do we do that? I don't even know what you're talking about. What are those words, wireframes, whatever? And I was buying the house at the time and I was like, listen, man, I just worked my whole life for this 25,000 bucks, leave me alone. And he took it out of his own pocket and brought our designer in and they delivered me the first iteration of lately, like in wireframes on a Sunday after Christmas. And I was so annoyed with him for doing this to me, like on my vacation. And then I saw it and I was like, oh my God. Wow. <laughs> cool. We all need friends like yeah. that. Yeah, it was good. He said I was a lot nicer to him after that, which is true. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> so how, how do you get how do you get from there to, from there to here where you are now? And I'm curious about you know, especially since we're focusing on startups here, right? Like Walmart, oh yeah, huge company, and of course very complex. So how does that apply to you know these smaller companies or startups? Do they need something like that? Yeah, so that one was so interesting was, I mean, we've done a lot of research in, the, you know, since we started lately to help, help explain this to other people, right? Like we had my experience and it's a proof point that I was proving for, you know, eight years, nine years. Um, but still, it just seems like what really? So what we learned was a couple of things. We learned that um, IBM did this wonderful report, which I love, that says $83 billion is wasted each year by marketers specifically because of disorganization. So the disorganization leads to confused messaging and confused messaging um, is the number one loss of a reason for loss of sales. So, and, and it goes on to talk about like what we all know as, as marketers, which is there's just, a, there's so many tools and there's so many different silos of jobs um, in the marketing kind of sphere. And you're working with in-house teams and outhouse teams. And it's just kind of like this vomit of stuff everywhere um, and continues to be like this overwhelming black box of mystery for most of the world, um, even for, for marketers, it's, it, we've learned. And so there's that piece of information and it, 
that applies across the board. So that $83 billion wasted is the biggest pain point for marketers. Of, it doesn't matter what size business you're in. And then the other interesting thing is that, or to me it is, is that um, Forrester did a report that was commissioned by Oracle that says, actually, there's a known epidemic among CMOs where 89% of all professional marketers, so people with marketing in their title, actually have terrible technical skills. They can't even use HubSpot, you know, let alone Hootsuite or Google Docs, right? And then 50, that's a pretty huge number, 89%. And then 56% of, and that's mind-blowing. So, and then 56% of all professional marketers actually are bad at marketing. They're only non-level, <laughs> yeah, novice level or beginner level marketers. So that, these two things were my experience. Like I saw that at Walmart. I saw that United Way Worldwide. I saw it at Goodwill. Um, I've seen it at IBM. Like, it doesn't matter what company, it doesn't mean if you're at a big company that you have a bunch of expert marketers. It's the same, you know, people across are just getting paid um, kind of more. And because that's what happens is people, companies that are bigger just throw more money and more people at the problem. Like, they don't take the time to understand marketing, you know? Um, so, so has lately fixed so fix the problem of having so many bad marketers? Yeah, we do. So, so our, so knowing that disorganization is that big $83 billion problem, knowing that technical skills are a really bad problem and knowing that marketing skills are a bad problem, we, we look at pulling, at solving all three in one place because it makes sense to, and that's the feedback we've gotten. So by instantly pulling together um, a number of those pieces in, in our platform, um, so whether it's, I mean, I'll, I'll, bore you about that stuff in a second. So, we, so first of all, we automatically organize our marketers, which gives everybody a feeling of confidence, right? It feels so good when, you know, your closet is clean and, and or, or that kind of thing. Um, there's like this, this smug happiness I, I get when everything is in order and then you get all that visibility, right? So lots of, lots of pain instantly goes away and then you're able to collaborate with each other uh, much more efficiently. And then the other piece that you asked about is, the, is like the tech skills and making people um, better marketer. So obviously our platform is super easy to use. So, so the tech skill component is solved and in fact, easy to share. Like that's something we find that marketers are constantly doing is they have to share their work with their bosses or other people outside of marketing. Maybe it's clients, kind of whoever, and they're constantly have to translate what they do. And it's really hard to do that. So they'll be making custom PowerPoints just like I was doing um, and spending hours doing that. So lately eliminates that um, process altogether. And then the third piece is making people better marketers. So I believe that there's only three things that any marketer really needs. And it, I mean, this is super simple and it hasn't changed since the dawn of time. And those three things are really good writing, really solid organization, and then um, chutzpah, right? And so, you know, I can't do much about the chutzpah, like that's in your court, but I can organize you quite nicely now automatically with, with lately and I can make you a better writer because we use um, a bunch of AI and different components to help um, marketers enforce their key messaging and to recommend better key messaging um, and just to kind of guide them, guide them through the process of using what's already in front of them. And so I'm talking a lot, which is just what I do, but um, the, one of the examples there is this, like, so marketers forget to use their key messaging 82% of the time, which is crazy, right? That's 82% of the time. And they, my experience. Do they have key messaging at high percentage? Of yeah. The time? Well, 
It's funny, like, so the, the big companies do, and the medium, and the, certainly the medium companies do. So, like, the big companies will have, like, 60-page brand guides. Nobody reads them. I know that. They would hire me to read it. And I would, like, make them a page-long cheat sheet. And so what we do it lately is we actually go out and we assess what your key messaging is, like, literally in 0.6 seconds, and we take a really good guess at it, and we break it down for you. So, you know, key messaging, right, is, like – keywords, it's your tagline, it's your elevator pitch, it's your boilerplate. It's the stuff that you use all the time that you should just be copying and pasting and not rewriting, which is the problem. So because people are constantly rewriting it, they're getting it wrong. And then, you know, how the internet works, like if it's not all the same, then Google gets confused and then customers get confused because we're all, you know, there's so many things being pelted at every day. So so, yeah, so, I mean, it, this is our mission, really, is to, like, through, <laughs> it's, it's all through organization, really, through organization and automation, is to simplify this, this process that every company has to do that most people don't want to do, honestly, and to um, make people better at it. So, it's interesting, because when I look at your marketing, right, for lately, um, I mean, and I've told you this before, right, your emails are hysterical, Right. Like I actually look forward to reading your message <laughs> is you. consistent and you have a really strong and clear voice and persona and brand. And so I'm sort of curious. And you're an early stage startup, right? You're seed stage still. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm kind of curious about that because I don't see that um, so early on for most companies, if ever. Um, and I'm, so I'm kind of curious about your take for that you know, the importance of it, like, is it important at that earliest stage? At what point, you know, what do you think is, is important for marketing sort of at those early stages or when does it become important? Um, well, first, thanks. Cause that, you know, how much I respect you. So that I really appreciate that. Thank you. Um, and second, I think like, it's interesting. Like you have to, I mean, no startup really has has the capability or the people power to do like marketing how it should be done, right? Because that's we don't have the capability to do anything how it should be done. Everybody's like flying by the seat of their pants. Um, of course, at lately we have to have shoes. Like shoemaker has to have shoes because it's what it's what we do. And so um, until recently, we weren't able to really afford to do much around marketing. And I I had to make sure the shoemaker had some shoes. Um, and just sort of like do our, our, you know, more or less the bare minimum, it, meaning like, give, you know, just giving us a voice and all those things. And so keep, keeping the ship afloat, like some basic social and some newsletters and those kinds of things. And, and even I was um, pretty overwhelmed by the process, you know, but of course I have another job, which is CEO, you know, so it's not like I'm only doing marketing. Um, but but the consistency of messaging, like you pointed out, we know is, is important. And we know that, I mean, we're a small fish in a big, giant sea. And, and there's a couple ways we can stand out. Like, so obviously, the product is really important. But it's hard to explain what we do. And, and people don't, they buy because of emotion, as you well know, right? That's the number one reason. And so knowing that, like, we thought a lot about our messaging and our customer service actually. And so like, how can we really um, emphasize emotions through those two things? And so in marketing, like consistency being an essential component of how we were going to do it, like part of that consistency comes in our persona. And we know that the persona, I believe the persona is important. There's so many MarTech tools 
I really hate the way marketing is like all the blogs. They just seem so sterile to me, to be honest with you. Like I'm just speed reading through them and trying to find some um, usable point and I can, I feel like everything's written at 30,000 feet with nothing I'm going to actually take home and do, which bothers me. And I just feel like it's just all this white noise. And so that's my goal is to um, try to put, try to make stuff you want to read. Like, why shouldn't I not entertain you? I mean, if, if I want you to read it, I feel like that's what you have to do these days. Um, and so part of it is just being a little edgy, being personable, um, trying to be honest, like just trying to stand out from, from the rest of the crowd, not only in what we're trying to do as a company, but also in our voice. You know, one of the things that I love about C-Suite Radio, I mean love about C-Suite Radio, is our sponsors. That's right. Those are the people that put time, effort, money, resources, and their faith in this podcast. So I would really appreciate if you listen to one of them today. Thanks for listening. Now, back to the interview. Well, and that persona also definitely has some of you in it, right? Yeah, that, me. That, yeah. <laughs> that, that, that blonde girl, that blonde woman on the you know website looks a lot like you. Yeah, totally. So my team calls me Kately. Ha ha ha. That should get a laugh. <laughs> um, <clears throat> which is funny. And my designer is a very good sense of humor. So like I always wear cowboy boots. To, just I always do. Like except when I'm at home in my pajamas. And um, so like there's an image of this woman in cowboy boots. Um, on our site with blonde hair and that's me. And, um, we, it's a, it is a persona though, a little bit. I mean, so to back up and we were, we were talking about this before we started recording. So I had another life in radio, which is, uh, was a fascinating life to be honest. And one of the things we learned was, um, to leave mistakes in our, in our, um, in what we were doing on the air because I either put them in if I was live or I'd leave them in if I was recording. And one of the reasons I did that was because it sounded more human, right? Because there's so much is just recorded in a can now. And um, I also learned that silence is a great um, empowering tool on radio. So when, when, when there's silence, the first thing the listeners do is turn it up, right? So I'm always thinking about those two things and how I can um, put them into our marketing because in radio I was at my last gig was at XM. So I was broadcasting to 20 million listeners a day and I set fundraising records and listenership records at a bunch of places. And so I proved that I know how to turn listeners into fans. And so I'm trying to think like all that stuff, how do I do that with lately to turn my customers into, into evangelists, right? Through the same kind of ideas. And so the me, the Kate Lee is all totally part of that, right? So I'm a little edgy. I'm a little goofy and I, I certainly push it or, and make mistakes. And I'm, I just do it in sort of a, I mean, I'm just, I just am who I am. Right. Um, and so I want to make sure that, that, Lately's persona is 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 accessible in a way where it doesn't feel like we're the smartest marketers in the room, or we're too cool, or we're snobby, or full of jargon. Like we work really hard to eliminate eliminate jargon altogether from um, the product, and as best as we can from um, our writing. Um, for that reason, because I feel like it's so alienating and marketing again, it's like this big black box of of mystery. 
and it shouldn't, it just shouldn't be right. Um, and this, it's the fun part, right? It's the reason like that when people are getting our newsletters, like you guys are responding to us, which is so awesome um, because of course they are automated. Like I write them and they get sent out by something, but most people just write like straight to me um, and reply. And this is the way that we're creating community and, and, and having a dialogue um, with our customers. And they've been telling us, which is so interesting that through, we, we started to do this in other ways, like even, um, like we have an office hour things now where like once a week, um, Virginia, one of our salespeople does like a half an hour focused on one feature and anyone can sign up and like hang out and watch her walk you through the feature and then ask questions. And so it's interactive. And we've had our customers telling us that they're actually using that as like their own company team building session because they feel like the community we're exuding during the office hours is so accessible that they want they want it to bleed over into their own stuff. And it's just because like, I mean, sorry to tangent, but like That's Virginia exactly. is totally, I mean, yeah, thanks. She, she's totally human. Like we actually had Taylor doing it. Taylor's my head of biz dev and Taylor is amazing. Great guy, super funny, little Carolina accent. And he, he's just too good at that demo because he's ahead of biz dev. And, and Virginia is learning. She wasn't a salesperson before. She's learning to do sales. So she makes more mistakes. Right? which is great. Like, that's what I want her to do. I don't want her to be polished. She just makes it feel like you're hanging out with a friend who's showing you through this thing. Um, and we saw that our, our engagement when we put her in went to 73%. So, you know, yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's huge. Um, that's great. Yeah, yeah, thanks. And, yeah. Yeah, and we're, you know, it's great having, um, we've got a mutual friend who we talked about earlier, Brian Kramer, um, who's, been consulting with us and Brian's whole thing is H2H, so like the human to human um, movement as opposed to B2B or B2C. And one of the reasons we get along so well is for this, this idea, like what the, I know it sounds so cliche, but it's the humanness of the, of the marketing and the humanness of the product, right? Because in the end, that is what makes any marketing good at all. And so I feel like if we can lead by I don't lead by example sounds kind of snooty, but um, if we can be the ball, <laughs> right, then, then right. by osmosis, others can too. So a lot no, of that makes, in there for you. It, well, it makes a lot of sense. You've got, I mean, there's certainly a lot of competition in the sort of marketing space at all levels. So you have to find a way to, to stand out, right, and be different. Yeah, and, and, and I think, thank you. And I think scream out, you know, like that's our, that's definitely my personality. Can you tell? Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love and, it. <laughs> so, and we only, but you know, ju just for the nerds following along. So we only actually have one toe-to-toe um, -to -toe competitor and they start at 50,000 bucks. And so again, like one of the best ways we can um, stand out, like you said, is, is just to be as, as squeaky as possible. Right. That's our wheel. So I want to change gears a little bit and ask you sort of one other thing before we we close. Um, you know, a lot sure. of early stage founders often think you know marketing is something for later, right? It's not something they need to worry about early on. But as an early stage founder, you do a lot of pitching. Isn't that effectively marketing? And I'm curious, sort of, how you think about it, especially because I've heard rumors that you are a rock star when it comes to pitching. Oh. 
Yeah. Um, interesting. Well, so yeah, pitching is definitely, definitely marketing. And it's funny because so at lately we have, um, we have different, our, our product is divided by dashboards. So dashboards are like, what do you, what do you focus on marketing? And I use um, different messaging for customers and then I do for, for investors, right? Because things that light up investors are different generally. Some of it is different. And, um, and so, you know, certainly pitching is a form of marketing. And, and in fact, for me, like I, I was actually, um, my last consulting gig, I was in um, Salt Lake and I, I, had, I was a keynote speaker at this wonderful event and I had practiced so much for it and I was so nervous. And it actually, there were so many technical gaffes that weren't my fault, but it was so embarrassing and like, oh my God. And I remember telling my aunt um, afterwards, I was like, I am never public speaking again. Like, because for me, the difference, it's not the same as being in radio, which is like you're behind the microphone. You know, I was, I was just like so stressed, wasn't sleeping, all that. And then I went to um, a, pit, a demo day and saw a woman do her pitch. And I was like, oh, oh my God, this is just a commercial. And it changed because, of course, I've done hundreds, if not thousands of commercials in radio before, right? And so my, my brain got a different handle around it. So what happened was, and it's all funny how your life is circum, circum or whatever connected, big circle. I started, I, I would write my pitches so that that the same way I would write my commercials, right? So like um, I learned in radio also something really important was to always talk like yourself, right? So you would never read the weather and be like, there's cumulus clouds out and 62% chance of rain. You'd be like, it's cloudy and grab an umbrella, right? Um, and so when I... Unless you're really hard. Yeah, you know, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so I would write... My, uh, by the way, I've, I've taught my salespeople this too. Like, so you know how salespeople have scripts and like I've taught them to mold the script to their own language because like I, they just, you just sound weird when you're saying stuff that isn't something you would normally say. Um, so I write my pitches out in with, with all like slang words, like whatever it is that I normally talk. And then you certainly you memorize it, but you don't memorize it. You end up learning it. So I do this thing where like I would put 20 pennies in a jar and have an empty jar next to me. And I would do the pitch 20 times and I would do it through all the, all the mistakes because you have to be able to come out of it if you make a mistake live. Um, and then I would just, it's, it's a numbers game, right? You're just doing it as much as you can, much as you can. And, and then I would, I thought again about radio and like what works for me and the way I write and the way I do pitching is all around like what I hear, like, so like songs, you know, I was a music DJ for a long time. So I'm always hearing the way things sound. And, and when I write it, I think about like how it, I don't know, the lyricism on the, on the page or on the screen to me. And so when I say stuff in my pitch, it's always the same way. So like, like what CRM does for sales, that's what we do for marketing. And I say it just like that with that cadence with pointing my right hand to the right over here, looking at the person in the third row, like I do the same thing every time and my voice goes up and down in the same places. And that helped me do more than memorize the pitch. It helped me learn it just because I'm a um, audio learner, I guess you might say. And then, I mean, we're just talking about pitching now, but like just some 
you know, the standing out thing. I mean, we're, it's so tough being a female founder. You got to do it twice as good as the guys. And then of course we're in MarTech and there's so many MarTech tools and there's all kinds of other founders that you want to stand out for. And so when I go to a pitch um, event, I just, <laughs> I just yell, like, I don't care if I have a microphone. Like I always talk the loudest, um, which I think is important just to pro- really project your voice and um, make them jump like a little bit because people are busy with their phones and all that. Um, and then I always, I mean, it's a, this is, again, it's about consistency. Like I go there beforehand. I do my pitch out loud in the room. I don't care if people are setting up chairs. I just go up on stage. I like to stand there and get the feel of what the room is like. So I'm not scared or something like that. So the, the consistency is, is all part of um, kind of the process for me. And it's important to be the best. Like it's a, each one of those pitches, just like you would with a newsletter or anything you're doing, you, you, it's a competition between you and the other, mar- uh, the other marketer, the other CEOs in the room. Right. Um, and, and so, and the emotional piece and all that kind of stuff, it all comes into play and, and trying to, again, like think about what, what is it that I can do to make these people walk away and really feel good? And, and you start to learn what makes investors feel good. And those are the buttons you start to, you learn to, to hit as part of your pitch, you know? Um, so yeah, it's all, it's all the same. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Yeah, it is. But it's, it, you're so right. Um, and it's <laughs> such great advice, but um, I think it's not something that Thanks. everybody does or thinks about. So, yeah, so I think we're, you know, closing in on time, but I wanted to give you a chance to, if there's anything you want to add or any other sort of critical lessons we haven't touched on. I think like, you know, we're just on the note of, that, of, of startups not doing marketing earlier, discounting it. I mean, one of the most important things you can do as a startup is to, even if you're just, just saying, okay, we're going to do one Twitter post a day because that's all we can do. Fine. Um, just to get some baseline so that when you do have the money or the, or the people power to put more into it, you have something to work with, right? That's so, so helpful as opposed to starting with that blank slate. And it wouldn't, it doesn't matter even if it's just the littlest amount. And so if they can find the time to do that, I mean, you know, we gave Brian Kramer a huge gift when he walked in because he was like, Oh wow, you've, you know, been doing this for a year. And I'm like, you know, yeah, like I haven't, we had a 56% organic um, traffic rate and Hootsuite's is 0.5%, 4%, and Percolate's is 0.5%. Um, and the reason was just because we were, we just were doing it. Like we weren't able to, I wasn't able to convert that into anything because I didn't have the manpower to do it. But so then he was able to walk in and be like, oh, I'm now going to take this thing that you laid down the the work for me to do. Um, so I would say it, at the least kind of do that and don't like get overwhelmed with all the channels. Like everybody thinks, Oh, I need to do this, 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 and this, and this. No, just like do one thing, try to be as good as you can at, do your best at that, focus on that. And then, you know, worry about the other stuff later. That is fantastic advice. Thank you. Well, thanks for listening to Kate. A phenomenal interview. Just hearing her, how she came up with the idea, how she founded this, how she evolved it, the struggles that she's had in the marketplace, and how she's made a run of this business and done a phenomenal job with it. Uh, She's a fantastic person to follow, to be involved with, to have as a mentor, coach, advisor, 
absolutely recommend that you try Lately out as a product. Fantastic. And you should definitely, absolutely follow Kate. You can follow it on the website at trylately.com. You can also find her at Kate Bradley on LinkedIn and also on Facebook as Kate Bradley Chernus. That's it for me for this week. By all means, I suggest you get a copy of Beyond Product. That's Beyond Product, now available at foundersplace.co, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, your favorite bookstore, retail, e-tail. You can find it just about anywhere. Chock full of insights specific to Kate. Kate's mentioned liberally in the book, and I suggest you pick up a copy. Thanks again for listening, and we'll talk to you again next week. You've been listening to the Founders Place Podcast, the place where exceptional founders grow. For past episodes, blogs, and more, visit us at foundersplace.co. That's foundersplace.co. And thanks for listening to the Founders Place Podcast, the place where exceptional founders grow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.